I'm Steve Maletto from Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Coming up in this episode of Podcast PD, we talk to Mandy Freilich about The Fire Within and her new book, Divergent EDU. Stick around to the end of the episode, because we're giving something away. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, AJ Bianco, and me, Chris Nessie. So this is, once again, episode 40 of Podcast PD. Hello, podcast people. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, also host of the House of EdTech podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by my podcasting compatriots. I'll, I'll go with that this time around. AJ Bianco and Stacy Lindis. Stacy, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Doing well. Happy weekend podcast recording to you. And same to you. AJ, what's going on? Everything is good, except it's football season, and I'm a Jets fan. That, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's it. All right, so let's not depress AJ anymore by talking about football, and I am not going to talk about the weather as I've done for the last few episodes. Let's get right to the point of this episode because we have a fantastic guest with us for this episode, and I'm going to say some nice things about her, and then we are going to rock out. So. Today, we are talking with Mandy Freilich. Mandy is a director of innovation and technology from Wisconsin, where she supports and encourages educators to create innovative change in their classrooms. Her passion lies in reinvigorating and reengaging teachers back into their profession, including supporting teachers' mental health and wellness, as well as what is needed to support teachers in their pursuit of innovative and divergent thinking in their classroom. She consults with school districts around the country in the effective use of technology to support great teaching, creating a culture of support for innovation and divergent thinking, and motivating teachers to re-engage in their profession. She's the author of The Fire Within, Lessons from Defeat that Have Inspired a Passion for Learning, and her latest book, Divergent EDU, Challenging Assumptions and Limitations to Create a Culture of Innovation. Welcome to Podcast PD, Mandy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm no excited worries, to be that. here. We really appreciate you stepping on with us, and we are really excited about where this conversation is going to go. So, Mandy, one of the reasons that we're excited to have you is, first and foremost, you've got a brand new book out, Divergent EDU. Let's start there. Tell us a little bit about what the book is about, but don't give too much away because, of course, we want people to hear this and go out and buy it. <laughs> sure. So... Um, a few years ago, I developed uh, this infographic called The Hierarchy of Needs for Innovation and Divergent Thinking. And 
it stemmed from um, the fact that when I was a teacher and then I worked with teachers as a technology integrator, and then again as a um, director of innovation, uh, I realized that so many of the issues that teachers had that kept them from thinking divergently, teaching divergently, and being innovative really had nothing to do with technology at all. And I think sometimes um, people think that teachers who don't use technology um, don't know how to use it. And it's it that may be the case sometimes, but what's stopping them from actually using it sometimes are things that are um, way more ingrained in the ecosystem of um, education. Um, so what I figured out was that what was actually stopping people from practicing more innovative teaching strategies were some of the things that were going on around them and just taking up a sort of brain space um, that didn't allow them time or energy to, to think. And those things were issues in their climate and culture, um, issues with leadership, uh, problems in their mindset. Um, so just some of those things that were stopping them or holding them back from having that brain space to think innovatively or divergently. And that's what the hierarchy of needs was based on. Um, I put the infographic out and everybody started retweeting it and sharing it. And I had several school districts message me and say, we're building our PD for the next two to four years around your graphic can you tell us how to use it? And uh, that's when I was like, oh, maybe I should write a book so people people know how to do it, um, or at least how I meant meant it to be done. And so that's where the book came, or, came about. And it was called Divergent EDU because, ironically, whenever I would submit the session for a conference, uh, if I used the title, The Hierarchy of Needs for Innovation and Divergent Thinking, it would not get accepted every single time. <laughs> So I'm like, it's probably not a good idea to name the book that. Um, so that's why I, I Let went me with just Divergent. Backtrack to what you said about when you first put out this infographic. Obviously, you saw a need based on your experience where you felt there was a, a need in education. What starts to run through your mind when you start to get these districts and teachers reaching out to you saying, what to you starts out as a graphic is now something people are going to build entire. PD programs around? Well, it was the, the very first district that reached out to me was a district in Brazil. And um, so it was shocking to me, honestly. I mean, I, I had been throwing the concept around for quite some time, but didn't think that um, it would really resonate with people the way that it did. And so, and, and within the infographic, there are different kind of pieces that that are hit on um, more specifically as to what needs to be in that spot in order to really um, uh, really fill the fill the gaps in the foundational levels. So um, you know in the graphic there's uh, it looks like a hierarchy, but it is um, described in the book really as foundational levels that you may have holes in. Uh, so for example, the, the first foundational level is climate and culture. And there might be some pieces in that climate and culture that are missing that those holes need to be filled. It was, you know, it was shocking that people wanted to use it, but on the, on the you know, at the same time, it was that it validated for me what I had seen and what I had thought prior to releasing it. 
It's just that um, it's not that people don't want to be innovative. That's not really it at all. It's that they don't have the capacity to expend so much energy to get there, especially if there's a lot of holes in those foundational levels that need to be filled. And um, and the best example I can kind of give, uh, if a teacher is walking down the hall in, in a school where maybe the climate um, is negative and the culture is, is, you know, not very stable, that she might hear another teacher standing in the hallway um, speaking about a student in a very negative way. And it might really bother her, you know, bother him or her that whatever that teacher is walking down the hall and they sit and they think about it all the way down the hall and they get to their classroom and they think, oh, I should have, I should have said this. I should have stuck up for that student. I should have gave him some background information. I should have asked them not to do that in the hallway. And then they, they kind of stew about it and then they go home and they, they complain to their husband or their wife. And, and all of that time is brain space that's being taken up by something that had there been a positive culture or a solid climate that would, would not have accepted that, um, they would have not had to spend all that time and energy thinking about it. And I know that seems like a really simplistic way to put it, but it, it truly is um, trying to free up uh, and I keep calling it brain space because I don't know what else to call it. Um, but freeing up that brain space so people have the energy and um, the time and the brain power to think of different ways to teach and it's not being eaten no, up. I love it. I think else. it's great. I think that culture and climate is, is definitely the foundation of a successful school. And I, I think the way you set up your hierarchy of needs, I think it looks fantastic. So I'm wondering when you're working with the schools that you're working with, I know culture and climate is extremely important. Have you noticed being there anything that stands out as the most important or the most pressing issue in a school that maybe you didn't touch on in the chart? That's something that could be fit in elsewhere. What have you noticed? Well, I have noticed that um, whenever I throw the hierarchy out there again for people to look at, there are always people that come back and say, well, you're missing this. or you're missing that. We need, we need social emotional support in there. We need this and we need that. But, um, the fact of the matter is, is we could put a million issues on the graphic and and then it feels like we can't solve anything because there's too much there. And so it's not that I disagree that those issues are there, nor do I think that they're less important. Um, but I wanted the graphic to try to focus us in areas where we could make a quick difference, um, have some quick wins, maybe, and in order to dr- kind of drive us forward. So um, the number one thing that People say to me about the graphic because often I'll get into workshops and I'll say, uh, here are some some issues. We're going to put them in a hierarchy structure. Tell me what that would look like to you. And most people put the foundational level as effective leadership. And that one is the biggest pushback I get um, on the hierarchy as far as people saying, no, effective leaders um, are the ones that make the, the difference in a climate and culture. Again, not that I disagree with that, but the, the reason that um, climate and culture is on the bottom is because if you have a leader go into a um, negative climate in a very rocky culture, um, they're going to spend all of their time trying to fix that. That's going to be where they have to start. Whereas if they're coming into a culture that's well-established and a climate that's very positive, they're going to be able to actually move the organization forward um, instead of going back and trying to play cleanup. So that's why um, that's why effective leadership is next. 
And, uh, but that one is probably the one that I get kind of the I, biggest pushback I have, on. Like I see you, but I also have visions of like Simon Sinek running around in my head as well, where this really lines up with a lot of things that he talks about when he just talks about straight leadership, but he also talks about climate and culture within the organization. So I, I, I say boo to the people who say that you should start with anything other than climate and culture, because like you just said, if it's poor, if the climate's poor, if the, the culture is not what it should, not what it could be, it's not the best leaders need to focus on that because leaders can make the difference in that. But climate and culture is also something that in education, all teachers and administrators contribute to. Right. Absolutely. And I'm actually a huge Simon fan and um, <laughs> refer back to him throughout, uh, throughout my book. You know, I, I absolutely love everything he says from the way that leaders need to treat the people around them. Um, you know, it's, um, I touch on him quite a bit in the, the chapter. You know, Mandy, I'm looking at leadership. this at the hierarchy and it just makes sense. It pulls together all of the things that educators talk about all of the time. And, you know, Chris, AJ and I have had the privilege of interviewing several people um, throughout the year or two that we've been podcasting. And I really feel like many of them have come in with each of the different levels or the hierarchy here, but no one's really framed it in a way that kind of encompasses everything. And it's what makes the framework brilliant, right? So you start with the climate and the culture, your effective leadership mindset, professional development, and innovation and divergent thinking. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh yeah, we've had someone talk about PD. We've had someone talk about culture and leadership. Um, we've had someone talk about innovative thinking. It's just kind of nice It's to see it all in one place. What made you think of this infographic? Like, how did you put it all together? I heard, I heard you talk about Simon Sinek, but what else kind of led to this framework that you've created? Thank you. Um, it was... A lot of conversations with teachers, um, specifically in my role as a tech integrator, and then also the things that I felt um, as a teacher myself. So part of the book does, uh, within the mindset portion of it, touch on teacher engagement and um, teachers becoming disengaged from the profession and what that means and how you can re-engage and, and um, you know, that how it affects everything from the climate and culture to your own mindset and things like that. And I had disengaged, and it's the reason I left the classroom, um, because I always kind of say, you know, we, we have uh, what they say is a huge percentage of teachers who leave after the first five years, but we also have a huge percentage of teachers who cannot leave the classroom for personal reasons. They can't afford to leave. They need the insurance, whatever it is. So we actually have another another issue of having disengaged teachers in the classroom um, not only the ones that have actually left. And I was one of those teachers. I couldn't leave. I had four kids and, and it wasn't possible. And so I actually had to make the choice to re-engage myself. I tried to do that by leaving the classroom and going into an instructional coaching role instead with, um, you know, as a technology integrator. And, and so some of those feelings that I had that made me disengage, some of it was professional adversity and taking some of those issues and knowing that they were the things that took up, um, you know, my time and energy. And, and some of those were uh, issues in our, our climate and culture. And then moving into um, the technology integrator role, I, 
it really is what solidified the hierarchy for me because I worked in um, not only at the district level, but in three different schools specifically who had completely different leadership, completely different climate and culture. Um, but the interesting thing is all three schools had roughly the same, um, you know, characteristics of their students as far as uh, what their free and reduced lunch percentage was, like all of those kinds of things. But there was a huge difference in the behavior of the students from school to school, dependent upon the climate and culture and the leadership and how engaged the teachers were, um, the teacher's mindset, whether they felt like things um, that the the students could actually uh, learn or if everything was just kind of set the way it was because of their circumstances or whatever, whatever they believed. Um, and then also the level of personalized professional development that was being not only being offered because I offered that as a tech integrator, but being taken advantage of as well. So there were all of those things that were kind of falling into place. And when I realized all these different categories, then I started to think about what makes sense, what relies on each other in order to really work. And, um, and I realized at one point when I put everything together, that as you move up the hierarchy, it goes from being more of an organizational issue to more of a personal issue. Um, so as you move up the, um, the levels, even though we all have a part in climate and culture, um, that takes a greater group of people to make a change. Whereas when you go up to mindset and personalized professional development, I can give you all the information in the world to change your mindset, but you are still the one that has to do that. I can offer you all the personalized PD I want, um, and, you know, the, just multitudes of professional learning opportunities, but you're the one who has to take advantage of that. So um, that is really how I started to kind of figure out where each of those levels I, I do want to follow to up to a point you made based on our last episode. And since you're the current expert on the hot seat, in our last episode, we talked about uh, planning professional development. And you mentioned that when you were in a position to plan PD, that it was taken advantage of. And it sounded like it was pretty successful. Can you just a little quick tangent, provide a, a tip or two about how you planned PD that made it successful and well attended? I, I really think that that we have. So we have a couple kinds of professional development, right? We have a basically like what is training, um, you know, how to learn Gmail better or how to improve skills. And then we have professional development, which is anything that you can teach a teacher to um, improve their practice. And then we have personalized professional learning, which is when teachers take more of the ownership of their learning. It, within those three, I think that probably one of the most successful trainings I've done, because those tend to be the most sit and get, the most boring, the most, you know, you have, you have some teachers who are way, way ahead, especially in Google. Google is just a nightmare to train. Um, you know, some people that are way, way, way ahead. And then you have some people that are still, you know, can't have a difficult time managing their Gmail. And so we, uh, I, the, one of the things that we did is we created something called the G Suite Track. And uh, I did this in conjunction with another tech integrator. Um, his name is Matt Callahan. And we had um, purchased the Canvas Learning Management System. And we decided to try to Per, put in as much personalization into the training as we possibly could, knowing it was not personalized professional development, 
but still adding elements of personalization. And so what we did is we um, created modules around each of the Google apps. They all had skill-based um, uh, skill-based pieces to them to show them how to do certain things with um, GIFs and videos and uh, documents explaining step-by-step. And then they also had, um, each module had a discussion board that had three different choices of discussions that people could participate in for each module. So they could choose the discussion. And then we also had, um, we had professional readings. And then for each module, we had an assessment. And for the assessment, they could also choose what which one it was that they wanted to do. And then we offered the course, the entire course, in several different ways. They could take it in a blended format where they came to, uh, you know, they would do the learning at home and then they would come to sessions that they had issues with. They could take it entirely online or they could come and they could take it with us and we would walk them through step by step each of the pieces. And I think that um, that we have heard over and over again was just incredibly successful because we offered that the options that we're always talking about with personalization, voice choice and pacing. Um, so we tried to put as much into there as possible. And so for the, uh, you know, for a training, it actually ended up being. I love really everything successful. you just said and what I take away and I'm going to go back and listen to this again, obviously, but right now my takeaway is you didn't just offer PD and organize workshops. There were like three different kinds and each one with a different purpose and you're very intentional about how each of those is designed. So kudos to you for doing it differently and in a way that really makes sense. And for all intents and purposes, it sounds like it really benefited the teachers that you worked with. Yeah, thank you. It was, it, it really went well. Um, and I present on that every now and then because um, even though we did it, my goodness, must have been three to four years ago now that we developed it. Um, it's still something that is lacking uh, in traditional training um, training opportunities. So I want to shift gears so. a little bit. Obviously, a big piece of who you are in education and what you've written about here in the new book revolves around the idea of innovation and divergent thinking. And I believe that innovation can have ask any number of people and you're going to get any number of different definitions for innovation. So Mandy, what does innovation mean to you in education? Yeah. So I actually spend almost an entire chapter um, talking about the importance of defining vocabulary that we use in education, because um, I actually talk about it in the way of not only does it build a climate and culture, because it gives something to people uh, for people to connect to, but also that we kind of throw these words out sometimes. And then we say to teachers, well, you should create a goal based on that, but we never actually tell them what it means, um, at least not to the district. And so um, it's, it's uh, you know, a no-win situation because the teacher either creates a goal that is based on something they don't understand, or they kind of retrofit the definition to what they're already doing. Creating a common language is... Um, is a really important part of the hierarchy, actually. And so the definition that I use um, in the book for innovation is based on um, George Kuros's Innovator's Mindset, which is something um, new, different, and better. 
And so uh, I do talk about innovators mindset in the book, um, especially in mindset, but I use this definition of in, uh, innovation as the basis for the, um, for the book. The other term that I think is really important to, uh, to define in uh, divergent EDU is actually the term of divergent teaching. And a lot of people think that divergent teaching means just diverging from the path, you know, doing something different. But I actually use the psychological definition of divergence in order to create what um, the definition for divergent teaching is in the book. And so I define it as um, the ability to recognize our own assumptions, look for limitations, and challenge our own thinking in regards to teaching and learning. It's taking an idea and creating a new thinking that will facilitate student learning in new innovative directions for deeper understanding. It is diverging from the norm, challenging current ideas, looking for a variety of solutions, and a willingness to learn from failure and grow. And so it's for the purpose of Divergent EDU, it's a lot more than just doing something different, um, just diverging from the path. Uh, And the main Kind of the main idea from that is being able to recognize your own assumptions and biases and challenge them to find uh, what you can do differently and not letting those assumptions and biases stop you. So, based on that, now I I originally wrote a question that was, you know, what should innovation and divergent teaching look like? But I, I think that would really pigeonhole people if we approach it that way. So, what could it look like? What What are some options and things that that difference and can really be made unique to to anybody? So I really think that um, kind of a trademark thought for divergent th- uh, divergent teaching may look something like um, you are teaching something in in the class, and a, a student comes up and says, "I would really like to try it this way." Like, can we learn about this or can we try it, try this experiment a different way or what happens when we do X? And your first thought is, I know that's not going to work. I'm 100% positive it's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. But even, even if you have those thoughts, and I think those are natural and everybody will have them. Even if you have those thoughts, you them. think to yourself, <laughs> let's do it anyway. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, but the difference is not so much what you think as is your reaction to um, what the student says afterward. So some teachers may do something like, we don't have time for that. That's not going to work. Um, you know, we're not going to try that because um, a divergent teacher may say something like, let's give it a try and see what happens. Um, let's follow your line of thinking and see where it takes us, you know. And so I think that that is, uh, you know, if you wanted to kind of give an example of what divergent teaching might look look like in its simplest form, that would be uh, one of the ways. And then innovation may lead from those additional um, trials uh, or, you know, the path that you take. So that would be um, kind of if you break it down the furthest, something that might happen just about every day in class, uh, it's that reaction that really makes the difference. Um you know, whether you are in the path of divergent teaching or not. So it's amazing. You just said that it was very eye opening to me. You mentioned in the classroom, I'm thinking to myself in my classroom all the time, like, yeah, let's do it. Let's rock. Let's make it happen. Let's see what happens. But with my kids at home, if they ask me to try something, I'm like, no, 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 that, that's not going to, that's not going to work. So it's amazing to see the difference. Like I let these kids who obviously are my kids for 
10 months out of the year, try whatever they want to. My own kids, I'm like, no, you're going to stay in between the lines. You're going to do exactly what I know is going to work for you in this house and under, under my roof. AJ, the book is <laughs> Divergent Education, not Divergent Parenting. I'm just thinking, I'm just well, thinking. It's amazing though. The concept is, is, is crazy. Like I can't do this. I, I can't put myself in the, in the mindset to do the same thing at home that I do in my classroom. No, actually what, what I took away from it was based on, and now I mean, I'm going to talk about you like you're not here, but you're here. So thank you. And <laughs> um, what she just said was, it sounds like that if you teach this way or, or you move to this way of teaching that you're not only teaching this way, but you're also modeling it for your students to also maybe live divergently and think more innovatively just by trying to do that in your teaching. Am, am I correct in thinking that's sort of the intent, Mandy, or, or a really sure, great byproduct? Well, yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, both. And I think that, um, you know, there are so many things that can happen when we just say yes, you know, and it, it, of course, of course, everybody's going to say, well, what if it's dangerous? And what if it's this? Well, obviously, you have to have a balance, you know, it's, um, and, and maybe there aren't times that you can go through with exactly what the students want. Um, but another, uh, another point that I often make is that, uh, you know, it is about balance. It's about trying to figure those things out, showing students when it's appropriate to, to take um, a calculated risk, you know, and, and to see what happens. And then that just, there's sometimes that it's not appropriate to do that. And that's okay too. It doesn't make you less of a teacher. It just um, is, is modeling for the students uh, how to think through those things. And I also think it's important that when you come to those opportunities that you do actually model what you're thinking um, out loud for the students to hear, because that is how you show them how you're, you're making your considerations and your you know, you're kind of testing the waters on your own thinking and stuff like that. So there are a lot of benefits to just saying yes, when it's, when it's possible. As you're saying all that, my son, for some reason is up and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I was going to argue back with you, AJ, because we really are our kids first teachers. You know, like you said, we only spend 10 months with the ones that we have in our classrooms, but you know, if we're fortunate enough, we spend like 18, 20 years with our kids at home. Maybe not 20, but something close here's, to it. Here's hoping. <laughs> something close to it. Um, and hopefully they'll want to come back after after we've send them, sent them off. But I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I got caught up in that thought too. So Mandy, I actually can't wait to get this book in um, my professional library in the resource center that I help run for the teachers in my building. But I noticed in your bio that you have another book. Do you want to tell us about The Fire Within and what inspired you to write that book and a little bit more about that as well? The Fire Within was really a project about um, discussing how adversity, um, the lessons from adversity can be used with our students in um, and that not something that we should have to be embarrassed about, maybe not necessarily something we celebrate, but that we appreciate the things that we did come out of that adversity with. Um, so that's kind of the first part of the book. It's um, stories from people who have gone through adversities, everything again, from my story with child abuse to um, we have a story of a school shooting in there, for example, to financial issues. 
it really runs the gamut. Um, and so that's part one. Part two uh, was there's a chapter written by, by a psychologist about how trauma affects the brain and body. And then I wrote a chapter on um, secondary traumatic stress as well, because um, secondary traumatic stress was something that was brought to my attention during uh, during studying uh, different social emotional issues and things like that. And it's not something that is typically discussed in the education world, but instead is talked about as something that uh, counselors and social workers can get. Secondary traumatic stress is when um, an educator can actually develop the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder from working with students um, who exhibit trauma behaviors. So it even, even though when you study secondary traumatic stress, again, it's very rarely brought up as, as something that teachers can develop. Yet I would venture to say that it might be one of the main reasons that teachers disengage um, because they don't recognize it and they don't know what that means. And then on top of that, um, if you are a teacher with post-traumatic stress disorder already, um, how does that secondary traumatic stress uh, affect you? And in speaking with psychologists, um, the answer was it depended on where you were in your journey of healing. And so if you had gone through a significant healing process, it could be that you have a better toolbox to work with students and those students with trauma. Um, but if you haven't, uh, those, those post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms can actually trigger your own. And so, um, so it's really important to recognize where we are in our journeys and, and the places that we've been and the places that we'll go and what that does to us and for us and, uh, you know, develop strategies for dealing with those things. So that's really what, um, the fire within is all about. Obviously when, when you're telling, you know, stories, that are so personal. How did you find people to contribute to that as, in terms of a whole book? Yeah. Um, so the contributors are absolutely amazing. Uh, amazing people, of course. They they contributed completely as a. Um, how do I even explain it? I don't. I don't honestly know why they did it <laughs> because it was taking very, very personal information and putting it out there for the world to, to see. And I'm not going to lie, about two weeks after The Fire Within was released, I had somebody message me and they said, I just read your story. And, and I don't know why, but I thought to myself, oh my gosh, somebody read my story? I, I don't know why I thought I was putting out a book that nobody <laughs> expected nobody to read. But um, it was... It was emotional for me because I thought, I, I, it's so personal. People, people I've never met know this very, very personal information about me, and I know that many of the contributors went through the same thing. Um, but I also know that they messaged uh, just about all of them messaged me individually at one point, and they said writing my story was the best therapy I have ever gotten. Um, I have done so much healing from going through the process of writing this story, uh, putting it into words, trying to sort through my feelings that um, it has it has healed me in a way that I didn't know was possible. And so for that reason alone, it was worth writing The Fire Within. Um, but I don't, I don't know why they trusted me with their stories. I'm, 
very thankful that they did. But uh, I, I really just put out put out an all call. If you have something, you know, uh, write it up. And um, that's how I got the contributors. So they are amazing people. And and I didn't I didn't know this till obviously you just said it at at the start that you were working on Divergent Edu, but there was I guess a stronger calling for this content and this story to come out, and then you were able to I guess jump right back into this project and and complete it. Yeah, it was it was a little funny how it worked. I was I'd been working on Divergent Edu, and um, the fire within came about. And I was struggling in my writing a little bit. And, I, and part of the reason was I hadn't done enough. I had done all the research and all of these kinds of things, um, but I just couldn't put a voice to everything I wanted to say in Divergent EDU. And um, ultimately what had to happen was I needed to blog about it more. I needed to do more workshops. I needed to talk to more people. I didn't know that at the time. So what I did is I shelved it uh, when the idea for The Fire Within came about. I wrote the fire within, you know, along with getting all of the contributors things in, in 11 months, it was from uh, idea conception until it was published was 11 months. And as soon as it was done, I picked up divergent edu and, um, you know, so it was released in June. I gave myself July off. <laughs> I picked up divergent edu in August and wrote and wrote and wrote and, and finished it. So um, it really was a blessing in so many ways, but really it just gave me a brain break, I guess, from thinking about it to really be able to push it out then. That's 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 really fantastic. I love when people are willing to share their stories and you've done such a wonderful job sharing yours um, that it seems natural that people would want to share their stories with you and trust you with, with that content um, to be able to put it together in in a book that that others can learn from. So thank you for that. Yeah, Mandy, I hope that uh, people out there who are listening, I know they're very excited to have you on the show and I, and I hope that they grab your books and they, they can feel the power of your stories and your passions there. Um, but since this is also about professional and personal growth, I'm going to ask you one last question that we have to ask all of our guests. Tell us what is your ideal PD opportunity look like? I know you talked about, before the, uh, the, the, the voice and choice and a nice pace of how people can do it. What's your ideal professional or personal development? One of the models that I love the most, I think, is actually Jared Borman's um, Professionally Driven book. And it is uh, just because it's an everyday, all educators type thing. And I do talk about it in Divergent EDU. Um, I really think that instructional coaches... Uh, tech coaches, um, literacy coaches, behavior coaches. We have a mindfulness coach in our in our district. Um, those coaches are absolutely imperative to a uh, true personalized professional learning experience. Um, but uh, giving educators the opportunity to learn and grow without a bunch of rules and regulations that they need to follow and you know, asking them to submit every little thing that they do just for proof and compliance and all of this kind of thing, uh, all these things, we have absolutely beat the fun out of professional learning. True. And 
So just giving educators the opportunity and support that they need to learn about what it is they want when they want it, I think is is important. And Twitter does that. Obviously, ed camps do that. They are all amazing. Uh, but if we were able to get those types of learning opportunities into districts, like through Jared's book and his his model, I think that that would really be, I mean, that would be a phenomenal opportunity for educators to grow. That's amazing. I just feel like everything you're saying is all of the conversations that I have with my school leadership and district leadership as a tech coach as well. So it's just, like I said, I really can't wait to listen to this as an outsider, not someone who's part of the interview and to have, um, especially my building AP who, um, who co-chairs our professional development committee with me, um, to just have her sit and like, listen to this, just to hear you kind of reaffirm all of the things that we know is the right thing to do with professional learning. And when we offer PD, but you know, not necessarily just doing this sit and get because you have those 20 minutes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. All right. Now let's check out what we're listening to. AJ, what have you been listening to since we already know you create this podcast? No, I don't know if I really created it as I, as I kind of just been part of it, but uh, no, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I'm just going to say I've been, since I got my Apple watch, Stacy, this is one reason I got it. I've been working out more, you know, so I've, I've been downstairs. I've been on the treadmill, but hitting the weights. And during the time, instead of listening to music, that's going to get me all revved up. I've been listening to a ton of different podcasts, so it's hard to kind of pick just one. And I knew I was going to have to do this, but uh, one that I've kind of jumped on that I've really enjoyed, and Mandy, you're familiar with this one, is the Teachers on Fire podcast uh, with Tim Cavey. And I thought his podcast has been phenomenal. And what this podcast is, it profiles agents of growth and transformation in K-12 education. Uh, Tim likes to sit down and interview uh, those teachers who are advocating for collaboration, communication, creation, consumption, critical thinking, design thinking, growth mindset, PBL, and strategic uses of technology and education. I wish I could sit there and tell you one episode that I would recommend, but I just kind of started from uh, the newest one and I let the podcast player just go to the next one. So I, I found a lot of value in Teachers on Fire and I would recommend that you all listen to it. You can check it out, teachersonfire.net or follow him on both the Twitter and the Instagram at Teachers on Fire. I'm going to say that if you're going to jump in, episode 51 would be a great place to start on that podcast. But after you Why finish would you choose that one? <laughs> well, after you listen to this one, episode 51 will give you a little bit more Mandy. I don't know. Oh, a little bit, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't need that? Exactly. After, after, the, after what you said, I think a lot of people could use that. <laughs> I agree. And, and if you really have nothing to do, you can go all the way back to episode 24 of Teachers on Fire and get a little bit more me. I can't believe you know that offhand. He looked it up. He's got it written down all the podcasts he's been on. <laughs> I love you guys. Really, I do. I was going to give a shout out to the story behind, but because you said your name in the newest one, I didn't want to do it. But now oh my I God, feel I like heard I had, that too, and right? I was dying. No, I was I'm like, sure he, he heard that. He recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So when we get Emily on the show, I'm going to have to rat her out for that one. Don't make his head bigger than what it already is. <laughs> Mr. Podcast over here. Then I got a suggestion to talk about Boston after going to Harvard with Chris Nessie. Damn right. Anyway, Mandy, in addition to you being on other podcasts, you also create your own podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I do, actually. I partake in podcast developing as well. <laughs> so the podcast I would probably um, recommend would be the one that I co-host with John Harper, and that is um, Teacher's Aid on the BAM Radio Network. And Teacher's Aid uh, really... Um, I actually started co-hosting because he had me on to talk about educator uh, depression and anxiety, um, which I open up about uh, my own in The Fire Within. And we got along so well that he asked me to co-host. And so that really is what um, what Teachers Aid is about, is social, social emotional support for, for teachers. We discuss everything from um, we had Daniel Pink on and he, he talked about time management. And and so, you know, we try to uh, hit everything from serious um, emotional support to, uh, you know, how important is laughter in the classroom, you know, laughter for your own health, things like that. And so it's um, it's a really it's a, a fun podcast to do, we, but we try to hit on very serious topics to make sure people know that they are supported and understood. We also try to do that here, but not so much in the serious way, but we, we all have our different approaches. <laughs> so I'm also going to make a recommendation. That's not um new podcast uh, that I've been exposed to. And it's the teachers need teachers podcast by Kim LaPree. And the teachers need teachers podcast is the podcast for new and beginning teachers and it's inspired by the questions beginning teachers are asking around the web, plus the questions that you didn't think you knew you should ask. So this podcast is for new teachers. So if there's a new teacher in your life, send them over to teachersneedteachers.com. Kim is producing some really awesome content, a relatively young podcast in the grand scheme of things, but it's really good content and she's having great guests. And I think this podcast is awesome for new and even veteran teachers. And because I'm me, also have to plug that it also happens to be a new member of the Education Podcast Network. So definitely go and check out Teachers Need Teachers. Congratulations on that. I will check that out. Okay, so... Yep, nope, you can't talk. If you're adding a podcast, we got to know. <laughs> oh, wait, my phone's not nearby. Hold on a minute. Just make up a number. At this point, we know it's not under... Mandy, the ongoing joke, in case you don't listen to the show, Stacy listens or mm, I don't know about listens. Stacy takes in a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of content. So much so that her number on the little red icon on her iPhone is tremendous. I, I don't even know where she's it's at. It's like right 1700 now. and change. Yeah. It's not that bad. You say it's not that bad? It's not that bad. Oh, okay. It's less than 1700. Is it less? Okay, go ahead. All right. So what I, don't, I really don't have my phone near me, but I did write the number down earlier today. It's it's something like, all right. So let me go back. So last week, I almost had a heart attack because one day, because I do write the number down every day so I can keep track. One day it was like 16 and change. And then the next day, it was 17, like almost 1800. And 
I almost fell over because I'm not sure how I magically woke up to a hundred more podcasts to listen to. Oh my goodness. I know it was really kind of crazy and overwhelming. So I don't know what, what made that happen, but I just ended up deleting an entire show. (laughs) What? I know. I know. So I think my current number is somewhere around 1646 or 1653. But that's because, all right, so it's because I've added a whole new show since Friday. I think Friday or Thursday. One day over the break, and I'm going to date this a little bit by saying that New Jersey educators... AJ, were you off this week? I was off Thursday and Friday. Okay. So in New Jersey, educators have offered teachers convention on the Thursday and Friday during the week of election. Some schools in New Jersey have off the entire week because if they use their schools for polling places for the election, then, you know, they just, so many people then end up taking the week off that they're off. Um, I happen to have off Wednesday for a holiday that a lot of our students celebrate. So I was off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And as is my tradition, when I am off, even in the summer, I like to watch Good Morning America. Sometimes I will watch it in its entirety. Sometimes I'll just keep it on as background noise. But on this random day, and I cannot remember if it was Thursday or Friday, I watched the entire show. And one of the segments that they had on was with these podcasters who came on, and their names are Bran, Panda, and Dan, and they were hysterical. And their show is right up my alley. So I'm like a secret closeted Hallmark movie watcher. And they have an entire show dedicated to the Christmas movies that are on Hallmark called Deck the Hallmark. And a little bit of their bio says, join Bran, Panda, and Dan as they attempt to watch and review all 37 Hallmark Christmas movie premieres this holiday season. And they start each one with um, introducing themselves. So Bran loves Hallmark movies, Panda likes Hallmark movies, and Dan despises Hallmark movies. Um, My recommendation is that you start with the first preview episode where they go back a couple of years and they talk about Rocky Mountain Christmas, which I never saw, but um, it's, it was just, it's very funny. It's very tongue in cheek. Um, After that episode, they actually had a bonus episode where they interviewed the star of that movie and he came on and talked about some of the stuff. I can't believe I'm saying this. Neither can I. You can truly podcast about anything. And it's so funny. So the reason I like, I wouldn't normally go back to shows that I have not watched, but the reason I'm holding off listening to the current shows is because I absolutely refuse to watch Christmas movies before Thanksgiving. So all of the new episodes are on hold. They're on my DVR, but they are on hold. I refuse to watch them. So I will have to watch and then listen to their take, but they are, they are crack ups. They are so Freaking funny. It's like listening to a morning show about absolutely nothing. It's like Seinfeld for Hallmark movies. They sit there and they get into the nitty gritty. One of them used to be a movie reviewer, so he really gets into it. He's now a principal at a high school, so it's even funnier because it's just so ridiculous that they can talk for over an hour about one movie that was on Hallmark that would probably airtime was like an hour and 37 minutes or something, so... It's Challenge impressive. accepted. We're going to get this high school principal to be on our show. Just thinking the same thing. It is <laughs> so freaking awesome. It really, it's just so funny. You know what it is? It's like, because I also have a tendency to just put Hallmark movies on in the background and watch them. And Robbie will watch them with me, my little guy. 
So it's like being there when my husband would be like, didn't we already see this one? I know I've heard this already. It's, it's the same, same story, story over and over again. That's what he says. And so they say this. They sit there and they joke around about it. And it's like complete nonsensical garbage. But it's hysterical because they are so they're truly friends outside in the real world. And it's you you can totally get it from episode one. It is genius. It's like watching a Hallmark movie with my husband and all of the like side comments that he's either thinking in his head and hasn't vocalized or that he literally articulates and they just make fun of all of the same cheesy hallmarky things that you know we make that anybody would make fun of. It's like when I call Robbie and I'm like, Rob, Rob, look, look, she's on a ladder. She goes, he goes, up, oh, they're gonna fall. Or it's like, cue the old lady with the obvious statement, like. And that's what they do. But it's like you know, it's like sitting with my 11 year old son listening to him just be a smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. So if you're a Hallmark fan, even if you're not a Hallmark fan, if you hate Hallmark movies, you have to listen to it just to hear the guy who hates Hallmark movies talk about it. I was say it sounds like all, all positions are represented on this podcast. Equally. And they're not always consistent. So sometimes the guy who likes the Hallmark movies hates the one that they're talking about. So it's very funny. Should we shift the focus of our show to decide who likes education, who loves education, who despises education? <laughs> No, I think we all love education, don't you think? I think we're supposed to say yes. Yes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Stunned silence. Crickets. There might be crickets in (laughs) post-production. Which still, after five years, I don't have the cricket button ready to go. That's ridiculous. What kind of producer are you? I don't know. Cricket I feel like none of that for... has to do anything with what we were talking about. <laughs> Ain't we got that one ready, though. Always. Always at the ready. Uh, so, Mandy, before we started recording, or maybe just after, we said you would have fun. Did you have fun with us here on Podcast PD? I did. It was fun, and I would love to come on any time that you would be willing to have me. Ooh, repeat guest. She opened the door. Let's go. Yay. (laughs) More PD with Mandy. Coming up in episode 41, new (laughs) co-host, Mandy Freilich. It's been fun, guys. I'm out. (laughs) Finally. We need a producer, though. (laughs) Someone who helps Uh, with all the other general conversation as well. Chris, you have value. You can't leave. I, 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 okay. Thank you. I feel, (laughs) I feel justified. We picked on you all night, but know that we love you. I know. Well, we don't have any new feedback, but as always, if you listen to an episode of this podcast and you have something to say about it, please at any time go to podcastpd.com slash feedback. We have a speak pipe widget. You can send us audio, which is the preferred feedback method for us podcasters, or feel free to send us an email. Connect with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at podcastpd. You can look for some new content on Instagram and Twitter from the three of us as we try to bring you even more value outside of what we do here every couple of weeks with our full episode. So if you're not tuned into those social channels, please make sure that you do that. Mandy, before we say goodbye, can you please let everybody know how they can continue the conversation with you, connect with you, where they can find the books and all of those wonderful things? Yeah, absolutely. So both books um, are on Amazon. And you can connect with me on um, Twitter, which is at Freilich M. Um, and then also on my website at www.mandyfreilich.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. We really, honestly, and truly appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. On that note, I think we're going to end our show. We will see you, hear from you, chat with you, like Chris said, via all the different avenues we're going to explore from now until we release right before Thanksgiving. So hopefully you eat a lot of turkey um, and don't let the tryptophan set in. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Mandy. Goodbye, Mandy. Bye, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Turkey. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague, and if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. All right, Podcast PD people, you listened to instructions at the beginning of the episode, so here we are at the end of the episode with a special contest announcement. Take it away, AJ. All right, so if you made it this far into the episode, you know we've been talking to Mandy Freilich about her two books, Divergent EDU and the fire within and here's the contest if you would like to win one of those two books you have to tweet us or tag us on a post in instagram sharing your feedback for the episode and make sure you use the hashtag fire if you would like to win the book fire within or hashtag divergent if you want to win divergent edu that's all you got to do yeah it doesn't get any easier than that and we will pick one random person for each of the books and we will let you know that you won and then we will pass along your name and your contact information to Mandy and she will get you your prize. Based on when this episode is coming out, you need to get your post made by Friday, December 14th, 2018 in order to be eligible for the contest. If you're hearing this after that time, hey, Listen to more current episodes because hopefully we'll have more things to give away in the future. Thanks for listening and uh, go listen to the next episode of your favorite podcast.